Hey, tennis fans, and welcome to another edition of Matchpoint Canada, the official podcast of Tennis Canada. We are also members of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm Ben Lewis, joined alongside Mike McIntyre. And Mike, we have a special guest for this week's episode. I had the privilege of speaking with currently our top-ranked Canadian tennis player, Felix Auger-Aliassime. And uh, looking back on this 2021 season, no doubt the best of his career so far. Big step up for Felix this year, absolutely. And uh, what a great guest to sort of, you know, end off uh, or almost end off the season of Matchpoint Canada. A uh, big thank you to Tennis Canada, of course, for hooking us up uh, with the interview. And uh, yeah, I'm, you know, once again, jealous of missing out on, on this one, as we always wish we could always be there. But uh, if you can't tell from my voice, I was coaching hockey all weekend and that kept me away at interview time, but you did a great job. And uh, I don't pat your back enough, you know, when we're on air recording. So <laughs> solid, solid interview. I really enjoyed the way you you handled it. And I thought you got some great answers out of Felix, who was in a really chatty and thoughtful kind of mood, I thought. I appreciate that a lot. And yeah, he was he was uh, in a cheerful mood, certainly thoughtful. And I felt like he was reflective, too, because I, I sort of wanted him to look back on what he liked in 2021 and maybe look at areas where he thinks he could be better. And that's sort of what we covered. Um, I'll let you guys listen to all of it now, though. So without further ado, here's my interview with world number 11 Canadian Felix Auger-Aliassime. You are listening to Matchpoint Canada, the official podcast of Tennis Canada. I'm Ben Lewis, and our guest this week, he's currently the highest-ranked Canadian player on the tour, world number 11. This season, he made his debut in the top 10. He reached the quarterfinals of Wimbledon, the semifinals of the U.S. Open. He also made two ATP finals, one in Australia and one in Stuttgart, Germany. Uh, pleased to be joined by Felix Auger-Aliassime on the podcast. Felix, thanks so much uh, for taking the time this week to speak with us. Thank you you thanks for the nice words and thanks for having me yeah well nice words but they're all all true um and i'll, I'll say happy off season as we get started yeah. and um I'll, I'll begin there because the tennis season is such a long one almost 11 months when it does finally wrap up um what do you kind of like to do to sort of exhale how much time do you give yourself away from the court um to sort of recharge your batteries before the new year yeah, it's important, even though the season is very long, like you said. Uh, I think I've gotten used to it in the last couple of years. Um, you know, that's just how the, the you know, the system is uh, is built. And you have, to, you have to accept that, you know, the competition, of course, is, is high. The players are hungry to win. And you're going to have to dig deep until uh, the, you know, until the, the last weeks of the year. Uh, but uh, that being said, when the year is done, I like to, to make a break, uh, you know, two weeks to three weeks sometimes really to, to, to really feel like, okay, you know, uh, you're ending the year. You don't need to, to, to go out and practice right away so much. I mean, the, you're playing so much tennis during the year. I think it's just very important to kind of put the racket on the side a little bit, go on vacation, stay with your family, do other things and just kind of reset really to, uh, to, to then attack the new year with, uh, with good, like, just just a good uh, motivation to 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 go for for bigger results and and to to keep working so i've i've had that i've gotten um, a good two weeks of uh, of vacation when i've been able to to do other things and relax and then i felt just fresh to start practicing practicing again 
Well, you certainly earned those a uh, couple weeks off, probably more, I would say, but uh, that, that's good to hear. Um, when the season does wrap up as well, do you and your team kind of sit down and, and look back at the year as a whole and, and uh, sort of evaluate? And if you do do so, what do you think some of the things you're most proud of about uh, 2021? Definitely. That's something we do every year with my team. Uh, we sit down, do a, a summary of the year. Uh, everybody goes around the table, uh, talks about uh, what they felt was good, uh, what we could improve. Uh, of course, me being the first person, because you know, at the end, at the end of the day, I'm the one uh, uh, on the court. I'm the one uh, you know that has uh, kind of. Uh, I would say I'm the captain of the of the boat in a way. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, so it starts you know with me, and then of course everybody in the team uh, plays their role really well. Uh, definitely this year. I mean, we all know, like you said in the presentation. Uh, the results that I've had have been great, especially in the Grand Slams. I've improved my ranking by 10 places. I cracked into the top 10. So these are all very good achievements on paper. But then in terms of the game, I felt like I've just been a more and more consistent player from, you know, from, from the baseline. Um, I think I've improved the consistency of my serve as well. And um, I think, yeah, year after year, I've just been able to improve the, the, the precision of what I do and the consistency of it. And just being more aware of, you know, how to win matches, uh, how to get through sometimes difficult times and how to deal with the ups and downs of the season. So that at the end of the year, you have a, a good balance uh, sheet and that, uh, you know, your ranking is, uh, is improving. Yeah, and certainly your consistency, I, I felt really shown through in uh, 2021. I guess my next question is, you look at sort of the hierarchy of uh, the ATP right now and the top 10, and, and you're right on the cusp of that, and you briefly were there as well, number 10. What do you think is kind of the separation right now between um, yourself, guys like Casper Ruud, her catch, who are sort of fighting and clawing to move up the rankings between um, – you know, the Djokovic's, the Medvedev's, the Tsitsipas's, mm-hmm. Verev's, and all that. Like, how, how close do you feel you are? And and what are the little details that uh, will allow you to get there? It's not a lot. You know, it's little things here and there. Um, you know, these, these, these players that you've named, they're all amazing players. Um, they're all very strong players from the baseline. Um, I think the biggest difference is, uh, I mean, they, I think they reach an even even more consistency in what they do. I think I can still improve that in, in, in the sense that, you know, I can play to a very high level and be competitive with all the guys that you've named and beat some of them. But then there's other weeks where I'll, I can lose to, I mean, I've lost this year to, to, to players that were lower ranked and I was, you know, the, I was very much the favorite to win. And that makes a big difference at the end of the year when you're able to to win these type of matches and kind of just, win the matches that you're supposed to win and then go deep every, every week. So when we look at guys like Vera, Casper, Berrettini, you know, they go to every tournament and, you know, they're in the quarterfinals, semifinals, almost minimum. And then, you know, they win some of these tournaments. So I think now it's the question of how to do that. You know, I try in my training to, to, to apply even more focus and consistency so that it becomes an even stronger habit of just showing up and, 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 and being, being focused and, and being right on it every time. Um, but also I need to improve everything in my game, uh, my shots, you know, my, my back end, my serve, my return. 
uh, at the end of the year, we also look at the stats uh, of my game and, and see what we can improve. And then it's about all the daily work. It's about just uh, staying close to the process and, and becoming uh, a better player in every aspect of my game. And uh, I, g- I gather now sort of is that that training block as you're getting ready for 2022, working on some of those details. And, and you mentioned wanting to improve certain things. I felt like 2021, uh, maybe you'll agree with me or not. It, it seemed like you took such a step forward with the consistency of your serve and uh, sort of throughout the season, the way you were serving, I, I thought was terrific. Is is there a focal point of this offseason a certain detail that you really want to take to the next level or as you said sort of looking at stats an area where you think you can make a, another step yeah I think it's a very good point that you brought forward I think I can still capitalize on, on my serve my service games uh, it's a strong part of my game and I need to be able to rely on it every time so I think I'm going to take that strength and and and, and really use it and and, and and make it even stronger. And on the other hand, I think I can still improve, uh, uh, you know, my return games, putting even more return, being able to put pressure on the opponent uh, with the likes of Medvedev and Zverev that are, you know, all great servers, but also great on their return games. I can improve, uh, uh, you know, my, my break points uh, percentage. Uh, I've had, you know, a lot of matches where I've had chances to, to get on the upper hand and kind of, uh, uh, take the advantage. So in a way, you know, in a very familiar sense, be more clutch um, in a way. Uh, so I think, yeah, playing well on the important points, which is not an easy thing to do. It's a, it's a thing that, you know, sometimes takes some time, but definitely if I'm able to do that more next year, it's going to take me to to another level. We know you had a, a really high-profile hiring early in the season when uh, Tony Nadal joined your coaching team back in April. What type of impact um, has he had on your career? Obviously, it's, it's been a handful of months, but uh, how, how important was it to add a different voice and someone with, with so much experience? Yeah, it was good. I mean, through conversations, through work on the court, uh, I think I've been able to, to just to just learn and just uh, kind of uh, take in a lot of information from Tony and then process it and see, okay, like uh, in terms of, you know, what he said, what can I take from that? What I, what can I improve? What can I learn from that? So just him being there, being present is a, is a huge source of, uh, of motivation and, 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 and more than anything of, uh, of confidence and, and trust. And I think to summarize uh, what Tony has brought this year, I think he's just, yeah, he's brought a lot of, uh, confidence in the team that you know we're on the right track he brought confidence that making semifinals of grand slams or you know challenging the best players in the world is something that is doable something that's more of a normality than than uh than something of the you know something that's uh extraordinary right so um i think yeah he's, he's just brought that he's brought a lot of confidence to myself and my team we're going to wrap up with a, a few fan questions that we have yeah, for you. For sure. um, here's one from Owen. We'll start. He asks, which match this season uh, did you learn the most from and why? Oh, I see. Uh, th- uh, there's that match and um, in U.S. Open third round, I played Bautista good. I won in five sets. Uh, that was a terrific match. I mean, uh, I played at such a high level in the first two sets, still at a great level in the third and fourth, but 
you know, he came back in a great way. I mean, the match was mentally uh, exhausting, physically as well. So to be able to to dig deep and to be able to play still at a high level in the fifth set and win it 6-4, I think that that was a huge confidence booster for me, uh, just in terms of uh, knowing that I can go to distance with some of the best guys, I mean, guys like him or that I can, you know, perform at that level for five sets. So that was a big uh, confidence booster. And then sometimes there's just bad losses, you know, losses in, in French Open or in Indiana Wells that are very, that were very tough for me. But I feel like I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot about myself in these matches, kind of to know, like, that's what I don't want to do. Like, that, I don't want that to, to happen again. So now then you have to look at yourself in the mirror and think, okay, like, if I don't want this to happen again, like, what am I going to do? Like, what are the actions that I'm going to put in place to change that? And then from that comes a lot of things. You know, when you have this conversation with yourself and with your team, comes a, there's a lot of things that come, come out of that. So I think it's good sometimes to kind of get, like, get hit in the face a little bit and, and mm-hmm. you know, to lose these type of matches and big tournaments first round. And then they're making you realize a lot of things about yourself that you need to improve. Yeah, that's a that's a great answer, and that was that was almost like the turning point there because uh, you had a similar situation against Karatsev, front of the year, and then sort of tail end of the year, um, taking yeah. from that match, exactly. and, uh, exactly. getting uh, getting the result you wanted. Uh, a couple more from fans. Shirley asks, um, "Do you like to read? If so, what kind of books do you enjoy? Or maybe if you're reading something now, you could share it." Uh, I haven't read uh, this year a lot. Uh, I was reading at the start of the year, but <laughs> I've been bad with my reading habits this year, to be honest. Uh, the last book I fully read was, uh, I think, like at the end of last year, beginning of this year. It was uh, 21st Lesson of the 21st Century by uh, Yuval Noah uh, Harari, the, the uh, author of, uh, of uh, Sapiens. Uh, I like to read about, you know, kind of history. Uh, how do you say like uh, like not politics, but like how do you say geopolitics? Kind of just the world right now, like what's happening. I like to turn on the news sometimes to understand like you know the the, the challenges that the world is facing these these years, and and to understand why certain things are happening. Uh, and then you kind of go back in history, and then you understand. Oh, okay, that's why you know these things are still happening. That's why uh, these there's reactions from these people and. and and so on, so on. So if I was going to read more, I think it'd be books like these. And uh, last one for you. This is from Arjun. This might be a tough one because you're still a young player on the tour, but he asks, uh, who is your biggest rival and why? Yeah, good question. Um, well, with, with Dennis, we have this very good, healthy rivalry. We've known each other for a long time. Uh, uh, but I just feel like there, you know, of course, there's there's this tension when we play each other. We, you know, we we want to show our best. We want to 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 play our best tennis, and there's high quality matches every time we play. Um, but I would say also uh, uh, Zverev, uh, Titipas, uh, guys like this, uh, who, you know, in Zverev's case, he, he beat me, you know, the, the first few times uh, quite easily, and then I was able to win, and then he won a last. The last match we played in uh, three sets, in a tight three sets. So I think, you know, with Zverev and the likes of Tsitsipas as well, you know, I'm starting, you know, nice rivalries also with, the, with these guys. 
Yeah, yeah, certainly. I, I love that you uh, and Dennis are three and three on the tour, by the way. You're kind of sharing the love for the Canadian tennis fans. Got to share at the All victories right, from, <laughs> for both sides. I love that. Um, Felix, thank you so much uh, for thank joining you. the podcast and uh, we'll wish you a happy holidays and best of luck in 2022. Thank you. Happy holidays to all and I'll see you on the court next year. There you have it. My interview with Felix Auger-Aliassime and Gosh, he's really grown up a lot. If you think about the progression of his, uh, you know, professional career, he had such a breakthrough, of course, a few seasons ago, making ATP finals, three of them in 2019. And we, we saw what he did on the challenger circuit, but he's like, it feels like, I don't want to say it feels like he's a seasoned pro, but he's established that he is one of the guys and a mainstay. You would never know he's 21 years old if you were listening to that interview and you didn't you know, know who he was. You would have guessed that he was like, yeah, like you said, a, a seasoned veteran because uh, he's thoughtful with his responses. And, you know, some players, especially this time of year, it's their off season. It's a short window. They're probably not thrilled to be doing, you know, any press. Uh, so for him, first of all, to, to do the interview with us, fantastic. But then, you know, he didn't dial it in. His answers were really deep and reflective. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, you, you know, you t- can tell you get a vibe from this this guy that he wants to do even better. He's not satisfied with his Grand Slam results this year, with his making the top 10 for the first time. He wants more and he's really like analytical about how he's going about making sure that that's going to happen in 2022. There's a definite plan. There's a definite strategy in place. It's not just like going to hit the court and see what happens. And I really liked how he phrased it in the interview with you when he called himself the the captain of the boat when it comes to his team uh, in terms of their end of year sort of strategy session. And I don't know, but if I'm sure our listeners uh, maybe feel the same, but listening to that interview gave me a lot of confidence for his continued progression in the upcoming year. Yeah. And uh, thank you to listeners who submitted questions. We did get to a few of them, of course, at the end. But yeah, I was interested in his perspective on on sort of the hierarchy, what is the separation between, you know, the very top, as we talked about with uh, right now, it's Djokovic, Medvedev, uh, to me, one and two, of course, and they shared the Grand Slams over this past season. And what is the difference maker that has them winning the big titles? And he pointed to consistency and, and he didn't just speak about Djokovic and Medvedev. He was just speaking overall of several of the top 10 players always making consistent runs, finding themselves in the final stages of tournaments, quarterfinals, semifinals, almost as if, you know, if you can get through your first few matches, you're always going to give yourself a chance, a chance at one of these titles. And that's an area where he recognizes, you know, I had some great wins this year, but I have a few losses where I'm the favorite. And we just don't see that as regularly from those mainstays in the top 10 or top five. Yeah, it's so true. And I mean, you and me saw one of those losses, which was in Toronto at the National Bank Open, uh, his first uh, match there, uh, second round, because I believe he got a bye. Um, but uh, and, and of course, now it's escaping me who the player was. Was Dusan Lajevic? Was that who yes, he was? Yes, Lajevic. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, a match that he should be winning. If you're a top 10 guy, you should be winning those matches. And, and Felix mentioned to you that he needs to beat the players ranked below him, you know, win the matches he should be winning. That's what those top guys do. And if you want to stay in the top 10, you're going to have to do that on a regular basis. And, and if you're beating all the players ranked lower than you, if you're top 10, that's the majority of the tour. So um, to do that consistently is certainly something he's looking for. Uh, we'd love to see him break through and get that first title. And you got to think there's such a good chance it's going to be happening next year. 
He's been to eight finals already, which is very impressive given his age. And as he mentioned, playing a little bit better in those key points of matches, those big points, which is not always easy, he mentioned. Um, but I think that's going to get him over the hump and we're going to see him hoist some hardware in 2022. Yeah, and for me, you know, he got over the hump on a few of his challenges later in the season, too. Probably if we were reviewing Felix and his 2021 at the halfway point, we were looking at it with a bit of disappointment. He had a pretty good Australian Open making the round of 16, but struggled on the clay, and we were wondering sort of what was going on. So the way he rebounded with a fantastic grass court season, the quarterfinals at Wimbledon, and then semifinals at the U.S. Open, he really, really picked up steam. And I, I found it interesting. He pointed to that match against uh, Roberto Bautista Agut. Led one of your to favorites. One of, one your of favorites. my favorites and one of those you know, those guys who is always so difficult to beat because he's going to force you to beat him. Um, you know, maybe the season in a way coming full circle at Grand Slams because he had that two sets to love lead against Karatsev at the Australian Open, couldn't close, had the other, had the opportunity again at Flushing Meadows and got the job done. So you can tell he, there's a learning curve for all players and he is uh, doing it on the fly successfully, I think. I, I love the questions that our listeners put forth. And obviously we couldn't, you know, you couldn't use all of them in that interview, but they were some great questions and mm -hmm. some good answers from him for sure. And, uh, and he also liked your assessments. I felt like you, you know, he was very much in tune with what you were throwing out there. I think maybe you should be added to his team if he's looking <laughs> to throw anyone new in the mix. I mean, you've got a tennis background for sure. Mm -hmm. um, I've been I've know. been waiting for my offer, honestly. Uh, and I mean, Chapo <laughs> Chapo just added someone to his team, which you can mention in a moment. So maybe you could sort of balance balance that out between uh, the two of them. That would that would be a uh, terrific. And there has been a great balance. Obviously, he mentioned Dennis being one of his rivals. They're three and three in their head to head. And uh, we will shift over to just uh, more tennis news. Um, as you said, Dennis Shapovalov with the coaching edition. He hired former British tennis player Jamie Delgado to the team. From my understanding at this point, it's not in like a brand new coach replacing someone else. It's just adding a new voice. And um, Delgado worked with Andy Murray and was with his team. Wimbledon 2016 title. He was there for that. Also, I found it very interesting. He spent time working with Gilles Muller, whose ranking dipped outside the top 350. This used to be a very strong former, like top 30 guy and got him back inside the top 50. People might remember Gilles Muller defeated Nadal in a five set thriller at Wimbledon. I want to say 2017, I believe. And it was Delgado at in his coaching team at that point. So obviously he has a keen eye for the sport I think Dennis is looking for another voice. Um, you know, if we were to evaluate his season, the word consistency comes to mind for what he's going to be searching for in 2022 as well. So I, I like the coaching hire and, and like that Dennis is, is looking for new voices. Yeah. First of all, Gilles Muller, was he not the one who stole Andy Roddick's mojo years ago at the U.S. Open? That year that they had all those commercials with Roddick and his mojo, it was like an American Express commercial or something. And then he got knocked out in the first round, I think it was by by Mueller. That um, sounds familiar. I might be mistaken on that one, but anyhow, I'm um, sorry to dwell on that. Uh, Delgado, by the way, I've never talked to Delgado before, but I always like the camaraderie him and Andy Murray seem to have together. Just seemed like a really like straight up guy, good dude, um, very personable, good sense of humor. And I think Chapo needs to, at times, you know, uh, kind of lighten up because he seems to take it a little bit too seriously. And that impacts him negatively on court when he's carrying around some of that negative energy and uh, i mean murray's been guilty of that at times too for sure, for sure sulking around the court and so uh yeah i think that's a great 
great signing. And um, yeah, I really liked one last thing about that Felix interview. When you were asking the question, the listener's question about who he had a rivalry with, I fi- I crossed my fingers and I said, please say Shapovalov. And he did. And so I was so happy when I heard that because, and it wasn't in a rivalry, like in an unfriendly way, quite the opposite. Yeah, of it was course. the fact that they are friends and do have such a, a history together growing up. But now they also, of course, they're going to want to sort of one up each other and they each want to be the, the man for Canada. Um, but uh, so I was really happy that he threw Dennis's name out there and it's going to be a lot of fun to see those guys compete down the road, uh, you know, in, in an ATP final for sure. Uh, maybe a Grand Slam final one day. Gosh, I'd love that. <laughs> um, which would just tear me apart inside because I yeah. really, I, I like both of them so much. We've talked to both of them mm-hmm. several times. They're both good guys. Um, be kind of like watching your two kids play each other. I would imagine that sort of same feeling. But uh, yeah, hopefully good things in store for both. And uh, hopefully they're both putting their feet up and, and relaxing after a, a long, grueling season. Yeah, very long. And, and look, the new season is uh, just around the corner a um, couple weeks from now. I will just mention, you know, we we spoke with a couple members of the Davis Cup team, Braden Schnur, Frank Dancevic, of course, uh, Canada did not have the results they were hoping for in Madrid, but I think that was to be expected because Felix and Dennis were missing the tie. So um, that means they will take on the Netherlands on their home soil Um March 4th and 5th of 2022 to try and get back to the Davis cup finals next November. Um, so this is the challenge with international competition. If you don't have your big guns there, um, this is inevitably what will happen. And, uh, you find yourself playing a challenging tie over in the Netherlands. Yeah. On paper, I want to say, Hey, this is a great matchup for Canada. We're ranked right. number six in the world, Netherlands number 20. But again, who are we going to have on that team? Are we going to have Dennis Felix Milos there? Uh, along with Vashik Pospisil, or is it going to be, you know, sort of plan B, no disrespect intended, but having to take lower ranked players because your stars aren't there. And one of our um, regular listeners uh, recently, and the name is escaping me, but he tweeted out to us last week saying he feels it's going to be really doubtful that we're going to have big guns because of the way that tie falls in the schedule um, that I believe it's right before or right after uh, either Indian Wells or Miami. Mm-hmm. And who's going to want to fly to Netherlands to come back to North America for that hardcourt swing, which is a very, you know, astute observation. And, and thanks to that, I wish I could remember the, the guy's Twitter handle. Um, but that's a real concern. And if we don't have those top guys, then Netherlands could very well be the favorite entering that event. Yeah, yeah, it's problematic. At least they, you know, Canada has strength in numbers where you think if they can just get one of the three yes. of Felix, Dennis, or Milos, and, and along we don't. With Along with Vashik, sure, for doubles, of course, uh, but we don't know the health of Brownwich right now. I- I'm hopeful we we don't have an update there, but I want to say uh, plans are in place for him to play at the front end of 2022. International competitions, we have one right around the corner after Davis Cup. It is you know, beginning in the front end of the season is the ATP Cup and Felix and Dennis missed our Davis Cup, but they are leading Canada's roster at the ATP Cup in Australia, along with Braden Schnur, Peter Polanski, Stephen Diaz. So Vashik Pospisil not on this roster, but Felix and Dennis um, certainly gives Canada a chance and they've landed in Group C alongside two strong teams, Germany, Great Britain, and the United States. So that's a I think a very, very competitive group. We've seen this competition in the past produce some amazing electric tennis. I recall Dennis losing a hard fought battle to Novak Djokovic at the ATP cup. Um, This is a great way to start the season for these guys. Yeah, that is a a killer 
uh, grouping that they are in if those teams all have their big guns. But you know what? That's the best way to start the season. Get yourself some competition. You're, you want to be the best? Put yourself up against the best and get some of those tough matches in early ahead of the Australian Open. Uh, I mean, I got to come clean and say I really care not about the ATP Cup, okay? Um, it's, it's hard to stay interested even in the Davis Cup these days with the changes that they've done, which I'm not super keen on but uh, the atp cup i mean i'll get behind canada of course and we'll be you know focusing on it and featuring it but just so soon after the davis cup it just seems kind of silly and redundant um but i i do hope they get some some good matches in there and um yeah if we got those players you just named should be right in the mix i would hope yeah certainly if you could spread these two events out you know further away from each other in the calendar i think that would produce even more hype for both of them but maybe or make it or make it like you know bring in a mixed event i used to love the hopman cup because you had the male and female players playing together um which was really awesome and and that one went under unfortunately um but yeah just find some ways to to spice it up a little bit uh and uh, and i i'd love to see more male female collaboration in tennis professional tennis yeah, I, I would. I'm right with you there. Uh, you are listening to Matchpoint Canada, the official podcast of Tennis Canada. We're also members of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Not only do we have Felix Ojealiasim on this week's episode, uh, but an exciting racket giveaway as we're uh, nearing the end of our 2021 campaign. Stefano Tsitsipas has a signed racket that uh, he drew on uh, just back at the National Bank Open in Toronto this past summer. Uh, This was right around the time I believe you had a chance to speak with him as well. And he talked about uh, the changing of the thrones upcoming at the top of the tour. Um, What a great quote. That was the best quote I got from any player (laughs) in 2021, bar none. It's also the only one I can remember off the top of my head. But uh, that quote got coverage on uh, national media here in in Canada. I know Mark Masters shared that over at TSN. And, uh, you know, I saw a few other outlets as well. So I was quite pleased with that. I think ATP Radio was talking about it. Mm -hmm. It's such a killer quote, right? Changing of the thrones. I mean... I was a Game of Thrones fan, so right there I really liked the connection. <laughs> and it was just an apt way, I think, to describe what kind of felt like was happening throughout the, the, the past season. Obviously with Federer out due to injury and Nadal also uh, hampered by injuries. Uh, but the young guns were having their moment and, yep. and, and they've arrived. They're there. They're not ever leaving um, and they're going to be contending in every slam they're in now, even if Nadal and Federer are back along with Djokovic. So cool quote, cool player. Uh, very cerebral and kind of, uh, you know, deep thinker. And so, yeah, we've been holding on to this racket for some time. And uh, why not end the year with a killer giveaway? So if you want to enter for a chance at this signed Stefanos CC Pass racket, then... Uh, well, what do we say, Ben? What are we? How are people going to enter this awesome contest? Well, we're going to do a code word, which we've done in the past uh, with great success. And um, listen carefully for the code word right now. I'll reveal it one more time later in the episode. The code word is Danforth, which is spelled D-A-N-F-O-R-T-H. This is in reference to Stefano Tsitsipas, his Greek heritage, and um, you know the noise he made on the Danforth when he first arrived at the National Bank Open, uh, getting all the way to the finals uh, just a few years ago. So Danforth is our code word to enter. I want you to DM us the code word either on Twitter facebook or instagram uh don't reply tweet with the code word please so make yeah, sure don't to de- share the code don't share the code word yeah don't uh, quote tweet it or anything like that yeah drop us a dm on twitter instagram also facebook and uh, we will enter you for for a chance to win a signed stefano Pass racket 
And the Danforth, for those who are not from the Toronto area and are not familiar, that's Greek town here in Toronto, and uh, they have a great Greek festival every summer. I lived on the Danforth for a few years. It was great. Um, I put on some major, you know, weight that year, eating all that souvlaki and other stuff, potatoes and rice. But uh, yeah, he visited the Danforth um, a few years ago on, I think, his first visit to Toronto and had a great time there. So uh, that's the code word. Send it in. Hope we get a lot of traction on this one. It's a very cool giveaway. Again, thanks to Tennis Canada. And they will mail that out to our lucky uh, winner, who we will reveal on uh, the next episode. So you got about a week uh, or maybe just a little less to, uh, to get your entries in on that one. There you go. Get in your responses. We will shift over to uh, Women's Action WTA News. And um, just to recap quickly, they announced the player awards uh, for end of year 2021. For me, no real surprises. Going to run down them quickly. Player of the year is world number one, Ash Barty, which I think was expected. Your newcomer of the year, U.S. Open winner, Emma Raducanu. Most improved French Open champion, Barbara Krajcikova. She also uh, was part of the doubles team of the year alongside Katarina Sidiakova. And the comeback player of the year, Spain's Carla Suarez Navarro. I do want to get to some Canadian news, though. Bianca Andres sharing a post on social media a handful of days ago revealing that she is not playing in Australia so she will miss um, the action down under and the first slam of the season sounds like some challenges kind of mentally um, sort of wants to take her time before returning to action in 2022 yeah I mean she's had a tough go the last two years you have so much you know fame and fortune all of a sudden come across your your way you know back in 2019 and then the pandemic and the injuries and then the difficulties returning and trying to find that game, that consistent game change of coach. Um, yeah. I don't doubt that it's taken quite a toll on, on a very young athlete who's only in her early twenties. So um, yeah, Bianca shared a post on social media saying that uh, not just physically, but, but for mental health reasons as well, needing to sort of recharge and, and not come back until she's feeling ready. So you know, we send all of our support her way and, and look forward to her return on on the court. And, um, you know, w- with her game, her versatile game, I feel like it's it's going to click at some point. And, um, you know, I think she recognizes maybe just needs a little bit more time to, to get there, which is fair. Um, uh, the WTA Awards, I also just want to touch on real briefly. I was, mm-hmm. I was a little ticked off that uh, Layla Annie Fernandez did not snag something there. I guess she wasn't up for newcomer because she'd already been on tour for... Uh, the previous year but maybe but she was in there for uh, most improved and and to me and i admit i'm biased but i would have definitely given her that one sorry sorry barbara krejcika but you could have had your doubles award and they could have shared the other one with, with Layla. <laughs> yeah the challenge honestly 2021 when you look at the awards and all the uh, candidates it was just such a stacked field because i was even looking most improved and i i think i had a debate with actually jeff donaldson who formerly worked at tennis canada i said paula bedosa maybe she'd win most improved she had this uh, phenomenal season breakthrough sure, year sure. and he pointed to barbara krajcikova um gaining gaining even more places in the rankings and then when you point out her success in singles and doubles i guess i was was in that kind of singles only frame of mind too but Krajcikova won a slam so what can you say there's just a lot of great players to choose from right you know what Layla is going to be winning for sure is when Tennis Canada reveals um, their hardware and I would imagine that Layla is going to win a couple uh, yeah, I mean there's, yeah, there's no doubt that she's, she's the female player of the year in our country yep. without question uh, most improved player I think also without question um, I don't know if they give out an award that's neither male nor female just like Tennis Canada Player of the Year. To me, that's her again, um, making the the finals of the, of the U.S. Open. So, um, 
yeah, she's definitely going to be bringing home some some trophies for sure. Certainly. A couple notes we'll wrap on as well. As you mentioned already, Leila Fernandez, she was actually spotted at the Sports Illustrated Awards just this past week alongside Billie Jean King and Sloane Stevens. So um, becoming a recognizable face on the tour, that's very obvious and she's very popular. And uh, Billie Jean King loves meeting these new up and coming stars and just seems to get along and they admire her so much so I, I love seeing that camaraderie and then of course Sloan Stevens you're meeting someone who is a U.S. Open champion just four seasons ago so that's pretty cool as well and someone you've got a three and oh career head-to-head against I have to add <laughs> and apparently Sloan doesn't hold it against her which is nice right and I think it was like early 2020 when Layla beat Sloan Stevens when I was like whoa that's a big victory like that means something right and um and and from there we all know what's happened to Layla Fernandez so uh and Billie Jean King has gushed about Layla a few times uh in in social media posts and so uh yeah look at Layla Annie and how far she's come it just blows my mind still yeah yeah also just wanted to quickly point out uh tennis.com's top 10 matches of 2021 number two on their list was Layla Fernandez beating Alina Svitolina in the U.S. Open quarterfinal absolute thriller that was their number two um other news Jeannie Bouchard was sharing um some pictures video of her continued rehab on that shoulder so she's trying to get back to the court for 2022 I also asked Sylvain Bruneau about this uh he didn't have an exact timeline for his return but said she's actually uh, been back the Montreal area so hopefully hitting some balls soon and uh, progressing nicely in rehab says she's very very motivated so that is a nice sign we should also mention uh, Peng Shui of course the WTA um, backed out or threatened to suspend all tournaments in China which they have done so now the ITF has joined them just one major organization we're waiting on ATP oh god I ranted on them a few weeks ago. Someone was really irate with me for doing that, but I'm sorry. I feel like it was, just, <laughs> I feel like it was justified. I mean, I can have an yeah. opinion on these things. You don't have to share it. That's fine with me. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, kind of uh, very disappointed in their lackluster response. Uh, tennis should be united on things like this, male tour, female tour, and uh, the ATP is uh, really dragging their feet. So I guess, uh, you know, they're kind of revealing where they place their importance and it kind of comes down to, um, you know, the almighty dollar, I guess. I don't see any other way around that one, but uh, we still don't have a real explanation to uh, what's going on with, with Peng Shui. And uh, hopefully that happens at some point that we can uh, see her in an environment that doesn't seem controlled where she can speak liberally and freely and, and, and vouch and guarantee for her safety and, and well-being because uh, I'm still not getting that vibe. And I don't think many people are, are buying the act that we've been sort of spoon fed over the last few weeks either by uh, the Chinese government and their officials. Well said. And um, look, many ATP players have uh, been outspoken as well on social media about this issue. They were disappointed the ATP hasn't taken any type of stance and really gave a very empty statement on the issue. Sadly, I don't really expect anything to change, not in uh, the immediate future, but uh, that is the case right now. Um, So we'll see what transpires in the next few weeks or months. Again, reminder, Stefano Tsitsipas racket giveaway. I'll give you the code word one more time before we wrap up. It is Danforth, D-A-N-F-O-R-T-H. DM us the code word on Twitter at MatchPointCan. Find us on Instagram and Facebook, MatchPointCanada, to DM us that word and have a chance to win a signed Stefano Tsitsipas racket. Uh, racket. Mike, I think we have one more episode to go um, to wrap yeah. up 2021. 
I think we'll have one more to kind of close things up, maybe look back at some of our favorite moments, favorite interviews, favorite happenings on the tour. Uh, we'll definitely be sharing over the holidays, even when we're not pumping out new material, we'll share some of our, our big interviews from the past season, which arguably was uh, probably our most successful in terms of the, the depth of guests, quality of guests that we had on the podcast. So uh, yeah, stick around for that uh, racket giveaway and I uh, hope you enjoyed uh, Ben's great interview with Felix Ogialiassime this week. Our, our thanks to him once again for joining us on Matchpoint Canada and uh, looking forward to wrapping up the year with you guys. So uh, stick around and we'll uh, catch you next time. You've been listening to Matchpoint Canada. 